Good. Well, as we know, that um, it's come through already this morning, but today is Palm Sunday, and it's the lead up to, yeah, to the Easter weekend, uh, next weekend, celebrating the death and resurrection of our Savior. So it's actually one of the most significant times spiritually um, in the whole year, in the calendar of the year, where we really get to remember that that time specifically. Although we do it every time we gather, we remember Jesus. And every time, especially when we break bread, you know, that is a time when we really remember what he's done for us. And every time we share a testimony, we are remembering what he's done for us and what he's still doing uh, for us. So, you know, we are a people who continuously celebrate that. But it's still a significant time of the year where we just stop. It's wonderful that we have a, a holiday, a long weekend in this country when so we can really remember that and take time to, to think about that too. And this year what's quite significant as well is that it's, uh, it also does line up very closely with the, the Passover time, so within the, the Jewish or the biblical calendar, um, because we know it was at the Passover feast when Jesus was, um, yeah, was crucified and, and rose again. So there's that link. And it was supposed to be because of what that represents with him being the lamb, the sacrificed lamb, and also with the people who were being set free from Egypt. So there's a lot of symbolism in that. Another interesting thing, not related as much as, as that in, in terms of the timing, but um, I felt it's something also significant this year that actually there's also, uh, it's also the Ramadan time, which is the sort of the most significant time for the Muslim people in their faith right now. It's interesting that that is all coincided uh, this year at the same time. I just felt maybe there's some significance. Um, this morning we've been praying even for salvation and it's one of the things that I felt even when Colin said let's let's pray for those who are not not saved and I found myself praying for some of my Muslim colleagues especially but yeah I just I just share that with you because I think sometimes it's just good to be aware of what what is actually happening and it's this is a season of salvation and to to talk about that um, and to look into that. So yes, my actually my message today really is a lot about salvation, um, and we yeah just some different aspects that I want to bring into it. But overall, I first want to ask you uh, a question: What can God do in three days? This is what we're going to unpack a little bit. But let's before we even get to what God can do, let's think about what you can do in three days. <laughs> Yeah. Bev, can you draw a, a painting or come up with a new painting in three days? Yes. Okay. Colin, can you come up with a, I don't know, design a teaching course in three days? Perhaps four. <laughs> Might need a bit more. A short one. A short course. Reese, how many rugby matches can you play in three days? A lot. <laughs> a lot, but maybe not well, eh? Hey? <laughs> He'll be tight. Okay. And... Um, can anyone build a house in three days? You think you could build your house in three days? There's an instant one. How long do they? Yeah, some of, some of the new modern in, sort of instant homes, maybe. Um, my home, maybe not. Do you think you could even demolish your house in three days? Okay. I don't even know if it, I think it would take longer than three days just to, yeah, just to get the permits and to get the applications. Thank you, Ellie. Um, to get the approvals, to, you know, get the right equipment. And um, yeah, anyway, but anyway, it's just, you know, it's interesting to think of what, just in terms of time, like what can actually happen. 
and what what can actually be done and there's obviously a significance on the on the three days that we that we're going to look at um, today as well because we know that there's a significance on the three days from like we will know this week from when we celebrate when Jesus was crucified to when he rose again it was three days and three nights okay so that's that's the sort of the, the context that we're going to look at in a moment so what what can God do in three days um, you know that when Jesus, when he foretold or he, he basically prophesied his death and resurrection, because remember, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. And so when he was foretelling what was coming, he was really prophesying to those around him because, yeah, he's, he's also fully man submitting to, to the will of God. Um, and uh, the disciples didn't understand what he was talking about at the time. And in fact, sometimes his words got taken out of context and misconstrued and were used against him when he was ultimately put on trial and crucified. So I'm going to read in, in John chapter 2, verse 18. It says, um, The Jews then responded to him, to Jesus, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this that he'd been talking about? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it in three days. But the temple he'd spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Okay, interesting. So these people, you can imagine what they do. You know, Jesus, give us a sign. What do you... What is it, you know, how do we know that everything you're teaching us about and speaking to us about is true? How can we trust your words? And then he says, standing in the temple, and he says, destroy this temple, and I'll build it again in three days. You know, people must be thinking, is he really this amazing rabbi and teacher, or is he completely mad? <coughs> like, he, he, there really, there isn't a middle ground here. There's, there's, there's something... Something that we just don't understand, you think. And so, of course, they're just thinking from the natural perspective. But it took 46 years. Okay? And this was obviously, it was an ornate, special building, a temple. Even, even uh, amazing buildings that we build these days, yes, they can take a lot quicker, but they still take a while. I remember the, the Cape Town Stadium, that, the soccer stadium, rugby stadium, was, it's, that still took about two years at least. To be, to be built and that was with high priority and getting like top experts and people from around the world so he and that's that's an impressive building but it's not nearly as impressive as I'm sure the temple was in terms of what we read in the Bible describing that okay so just interesting what on earth was Jesus going on about here then in Mark chapter 14 I'll just read um Kind of a follow-up to, to what, we've, what we've just read from the words of Jesus. When he was on trial, this whole aspect actually was thrown back at him and twisted and taken a bit, a bit out of context. Um, but it was one of the accusations by the religious leaders against Jesus was the fact that he would destroy the temple. Mark 14, it says um, that, yeah, someone shouted out that he, he said he would destroy the temple made by hands and rebuild it not by human hands. Interesting, that was actually the accusation. But this was, 
this was part. So they actually twisted it and used this against Jesus, saying that he was going to destroy their temple. So he must be against them and, and, and crazy. Anyway, there's actually quite a few other occurrences of significant events that have taken place um, that we read of in the Bible, like over a three day period. Can you think of anything else that happened where there was like three days or three days and three nights or something like that? Any? Yeah, raised Lazarus from the from the dead. Was that? I think yeah, it might have been fourth day. So, okay, yeah, roughly that. Jonah. Which was a picture of yeah, of Jesus to come as well. Jonah. In the whale. Yeah, Jonah. Jonah spent how long in the whale? In the belly of the fish. Three days and three nights. Okay. And at the Passover time, um, the plague of darkness lasted three days, three nights. There was another aspect. I think the consecration before the going across the Jordan yeah, was three I was about days. To say something about the river Jordan. There were quite a few in actually in Joshua. There were certain things about in three days' time we're gonna be crossing the Jordan River. Prepare yourselves. And then quite a few times before the Israelites went out to battle, they said, in three days' time. We read other stories about people who made a three-day journey or spies who were hiding to seek refuge. They would hide for three days because that was a s- sort of a time when they would expect people would give up or stop or <laughs> things like that. So there's some significances. Another big one was Paul, the Apostle Paul, when, when he met Jesus on that road to Damascus. He was in blindness for three days until he got prayed for and received his sight again and his new commissioning. So quite interesting, eh? There's a few, few different little things that spoke about like three days being a really significant uh, occurrence. But yes, the one I actually am going to focus on um, for a bit now is actually on Jonah. And... Yeah, so firstly, I actually want to see where Jesus actually relates it to this. In Matthew 12 and verse 40, let me just find it here. It's called the sign of Jonah. It says, Then some of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And he answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. Hey, interesting, eh? So this what they call the sign, Jesus called the sign of Jonah. So there's something about the story of Jonah even that symbolizes this, what, what salvation is all about. So I see that that happens, yeah. And um, <clears throat> it was interesting just when I was I was on family holiday a couple of weeks ago, and um, at one stage my little uh, five-year-old nephew, he suddenly started telling uh, telling us the story of Jonah, because he told us that he's been reading the book. He's got a lovely book that he's bringing with on the holiday, and it's all about the story of Jonah. So I said, that's 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 wonderful, James. Well, you know. And James, can you remember the story? Oh, yes, Brendan. And I said, well, how does the story, how does the story go? And I was absolutely amazed at how he told me the story. Because his, his starting point was, well, Jonah, 
didn't listen to God. I'm like, okay, this five-year-old, he's got it. <laughs> he knows the starting point. Hey, Jonah was in disobedience. God had asked him to go and prophesy to, to Nineveh, and he didn't. That's the starting point of the story. He got on a boat to go somewhere else, going in a completely different, different way. Um, and then James went on about the big storm that came and the boat and it was so scary and anyway James he's told us he wants to be a marine biologist because he is he loves fish and the oceans and sharks and all these things and so he absolutely adores the story of course when there's this you're out in the sea in the boat and the big storm and then the uh, well Jonah eventually admits that he's running away from God and the people are afraid actually to even throw him overboard but he says throw me overboard for your own sake and that's that's what needs to happen he knows he's he's been disobedient and so they reluctantly do throw him overboard into the ocean in a storm and god comes to his to rescue him this dis disobedient guy god comes to rescue isn't that amazing i mean that's that's another sign of of grace I, you know, don't know what they were expecting at that time, but God sends a large fish or a whale, and Jonah spends three days, three nights, in the belly of this creature, um, before being vomited up onto the shore. The Bible says, um, and and the story continues from there. I want to actually just read to you because it's not; it's a, such a short little. Um, little book in the Bible is Jonah. There's, there's I think, three chapters. And um, we can so easily miss it, and it's probably not one that we've read very often. But there's, um, I just want to read the actual little bit here that, that speaks about Jonah's prayer that he prayed. So in Jonah 2, and I'll read you. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. Now just listen to this. I think really beautiful words in that and how it really describes salvation and what was, was happening to him. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You, hel you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of great, grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it did vomit to Jonah up onto dry land. <laughs> Anyway, isn't it? It is an absolutely crazy story. Um, but you know, actually, also interesting. Interestingly, um, 
was last year at some stage I read a news article that in off the shore in I think New York State in America, there was a story about a guy who was swallowed by a whale and then was spat out. But about thirty seconds later, he was he was diving with another friend, and the other friend also saw what what happened and was a, a witness to this account. And apparently the, the newspapers and that they also, and the, I think the police and the investigators, everything, they even had psychologists sitting with them and trying to work out whether this was a false story, but they said they have no reason to believe that they made this up. Um, so <laughs> anyway, another modern day interesting account. And so actually when I was sharing that story with our Reddit in the news, my little nephew was in the car and he said, that's when he actually said, well, I know a guy who was also swallowed by a <laughs> We're like, oh, really? James, who's that? Jonah. Yeah. Like your good friend, Jonah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so this, you know, this, this amazing story of Jonah, it actually speaks to us so much of what salvation is all about and what, what God has really done for us and what... We can really remember over that like a three-day period of what, what, what Jesus was really doing for us, what he's bought for us, what he's purchased for us. You know, there's, we, were, we were all in rebellion. We, were, we all can identify with, with Jonah like that. Okay? We were not following the ways of God. And yet, when we come to repentance, when we come to receive him as our savior, we get life. We get life again. We get new life. It was like Jonah was suddenly given, literally given a whole new lease on life, quite physically. And, you know, we will also be born again into eternal life. Um, but he was quite literally given another chance at life. But that's what we all get when we, when we come to him. And um, also with this, with this restoration and with the life, there's a sense of the repurposing because God actually, that wasn't the end of the story of Jonah. God spoke to Jonah again and, and reminded him and said, Jonah, now go. Go to Nineveh. And then he does. And he goes with fresh purpose, obviously with a whole new testimony to tell. <laughs> hey, with fresh conviction, I'm sure with greater anointing and with greater probably fear and trembling too. But he, he goes to Nineveh and he didn't want to go. And he speaks to the city that didn't know God, that it was, it was a, yeah, apparently a terrible city that had so much wrong with it that Jonah actually didn't want to see the city come back to God or come to God. He actually didn't want to see it change. And, and when he brought the words of warning from the Lord, and actually the king listened to it immediately and commanded the entire city to turn, to stop their their wickedness and to turn to the Lord, which is phenomenal because <clears throat> this was not an Israeli city. It was not a, a Hebrew city. This was in another yeah, Gentile land. Um, <clears throat> and they actually, there was revival in the city that we would say in modern terms. There was a complete transformation and revival of the city of Nineveh, but kind of so quickly and so graciously that actually the end of the book of Jonah shows that Jonah was really upset with God about this because the grace of God was like so scandalous even to Jonah. God's mercy for the city of Nineveh was 
even beyond what Jonah could even handle and bear at that stage. But that's how this, why this, the sign of Jonah, this, this particular message is, is so vital to the message of the cross and to our understanding of salvation and of restoration and of life and purpose and of grace that God has given us. Today we've got some baptisms happening, Reese, and you know, just like we, we chatted the other night, um, just with some of the symbolism of what, what baptism is all about. But when we are baptized, we are, it's actually, the Bible says we are baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection. And so the way that we do baptism is even a symbol of that. And you go under the water and that you're identifying with Jesus' death. And then we bring you out of the water, which symbolizes the resurrection, that you are identifying with what Jesus has done. Similar thing to Jonah, eh? down into the water, up again to life. And not only just to a sort of meager life of existence, but a repurposed, recommissioned life in God. A life of walking in relationship and obedience with Him. Beautiful story, man. I want to read off with um, just the New Testament scripture that I feel just wraps all of this up um, together as well. So if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. It says here, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were dead in our sins. We've been made alive, it says. We receive mercy, love, and grace. It's not by our works. Jonah couldn't even do anything to get himself out of the whale <laughs> hey, or out of that distress that he was in. And yet it's not by our works. It's all by God's works. And yet God has also created good works for us to do. So our salvation is not about the good works that we can do. But the, the life of living a life in God is about the good works that he's got for us to do. Not for our salvation, but because of our salvation. There's so much that he, he has for us. And if we read a little bit further from verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. 
In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So here we come back to the question we had right in the beginning and what Jesus was saying. What is he going to do in three days? Destroy the temple and rebuild it. This building of the temple that's talked about in Ephesians, what is that, what is that building? It's not only the body of Jesus, but it's actually the body of Jesus, those who belong to him, all of us, it says, are being built together. As we come into salvation, we are being built together on those foundations of Jesus and the prophets, built together into a building, a temple, a building in which God lives by his spirit, which is what we would have said the temple, right? The temple of the Holy Spirit, temple of the presence of God. We are all part of this building. So I just felt a couple of things to challenge us and encourage us through this message as well, that, you know, salvation doesn't need to happen over a long time. Hey? Coming to Jesus is like that. Repenting, coming to him, it can happen in a day. Transformation in your life can happen in a day. Hey? Yeah, life transformation, breakthrough, the other things that we pray for, we know it can happen just like that. It doesn't need to have, sometimes it is a process, but it can also just be like that. Citywide revival, renewal, look at the example of Nineveh, happened just like that. The king heard the words of Jonah and the city repented. Unbelievable. So, I just felt to encourage us, you know, what can God do in three days? <laughs> Especially, what can He do when our lives are surrendered to Him? Okay. What can we do together, even as a church, in three days? But in any manner of time, you know, God's, God's working and he's, uh, <coughs> he's doing more than we could ask or imagine. And He can do it quickly. He can do it immediately in His timing. So let's just end in prayer and then maybe if you want to get the kids, they're going to come in and do something special for us. So obviously, guys, from, you know, from this morning, be encouraged to pray for those and continue to pray and to speak to those that you know of who still need to come to salvation. It can happen just like that. So don't give up. Keep pressing in. Um, <laughs> it's a bee after we were talking about honey, right? Yes. <laughs> Good. All right, Simon, while you do that, is it safe for us to close our eyes and pray? <laughs> All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. Let's pray, guys. Jesus, we just thank you for your incredible grace and mercy. Just thank you for the season when we can really remember your goodness, your kindness, your mercy to us and to so many generations who've gone before us. Just thank you that for the price that you've paid. Yeah, fill us again afresh with a, a new reminder again of the grace that we've received, the love that we've received, that we've freely, freely received. Thank you that you've purchased us, you've bought us. We are yours. 
There's nothing else we need to do to make you love us even more or to earn that salvation. We trust in your grace and your love that will be with us all the days of our lives. And we thank you that you can do more than we ask or imagine. Thank you that you have purpose and plans for our lives. Thank you that we can get recommissioned and repurposed and refilled again with your love and your grace. Yeah, help us to share this good news with so many more and bring even more to understanding you and receiving you. Especially in this season, Jesus. We speak out to our, even our, our Muslim friends, our Jewish friends, yeah, atheist friends, anyone who does not know you. We call them in to salvation. Thank you for that sign of Jonah that has come. Thank you for salvation that you purchased for us. In Jesus' name, amen.